0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. All right, when I come down to the floor, it's serious business, right? Well, it just seemed more appropriate today for the The feel of the sermon, the feel of the crowd, we've got a lot of people who are out. We've got backups, serving in place of backups today on our worship team, and a lot of different um, uh, people out for various reasons. Not all COVID, some COVID. Just want to say this going forward, always understand. We made an announcement this week about COVID, but... Uh, we won't be doing that going forward. You, we know what's going on. So come at your own risk. Understand that there's always that risk. Many of you who are here today have already had COVID. And we pray that it does not come back again on us. So be in prayer for those who couldn't be here today. Uh, and pray for those who are here. Just that the Lord will uh, keep us safe. But mostly keep us Close to him, and so now's a good time to say good morning and happy New year. I hope uh, that you are in good spirits of the Lord this morning as you we have gathered here to worship. Um this first month in January is going to be our theme is going to be missions. We're going to be talking about our missions program. You're going to be meeting some or all of the missions team this month and we as I've already said we have a very special guest speaker coming at the end of January. So you'll just have to wait and and see who that is. We're going to extend into February if we run out of time, but with so many out it's good for us to 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 wait a week or two before we jump into the theme on missions. You're going to be hearing a whole lot about the partnership in ministry that we have with 16 individuals, families, organizations. I'm excited about this month, but we're going to begin today following up from last week where we were... Considering the theme of pursuing intimacy with the Lord rather than pursuing the knowledge of the world and its ways. Which doesn't mean stick your head in the sand. I probably read as much news this week as I have other weeks uh, prior. Uh, But rather make sure your priorities are in order. Today's text is Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, if this text sounds familiar, it's because we were here two and a half years ago. It's essentially the same message. That's what happens on days like today, where there's a relatively quick adjustment. Uh, You'll be familiar with the passage, and when we read it, you may be thinking, oh, boy, Here we go. I don't think I'm going to like this. Uh, But hang in there. I think you will be more than encouraged. And at the end of the message, we will take time for more testimonies. There were several that wanted to share last week and weren't able to. And uh, if we don't have many testimonies, we'll just go home earlier. How about that? After testimonies, we will observe the Lord's Supper. And I'm so looking forward to this time together. Our text again this morning is Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had her sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So, the distractions may not only be things of the world. They could be religious things. They could be meaningful, useful uh, ministry things. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, and be seated. So this morning, we're going to think about three things. Jesus' presence, Martha's problem, and Mary's perspective. We're going to think first about Jesus' presence. Everywhere Jesus went, it caused a stir. Let's think about some of them. Now, we'll have microphones for testimonies, but just say it right now. Think of a time when Jesus caused a stir where he was. Perhaps you've read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Lucan. From there, where, where, where did Jesus... How about the temple? Now, I don't know why I'm thinking about the temple first thing, you know. He's causing a creation or causing quite a stir. Where else did Jesus cause quite a stir with his actions? Healing on the Sabbath, they did not. Like that. In fact, those two things along with Jesus' claim to be God. But really, it was the first two as much as it was His claim to be God. That they wanted to kill Him because the Sabbath was a mark. It was like freedom to us. And Jesus addressed it head on and said, You've got it wrong. You're thinking... Man is made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath is made for man. God had a different idea than what you have about it. And then also, that temple was a sacred place for them. And for Jesus to talk about, he was talking about his own body, but they gladly misinterpreted him to say, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. That's always the case with religion Always the case with almost any kind of government system. People are very happy to misinterpret what is said to achieve their own ends. What's another time Jesus caused quite a stir? Let the children come to me. Cecilia... Coming on, first time here. Thank you for sharing that. That was, a, that was one of those times. Imagine it. The children, children were nobody in that culture. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, in fact, you want to enter the kingdom, you're going to have to be just like one of these children. He turned everything upside down. What about the time that they brought, the four guys brought the man who was sick they, I've thought about this a lot lately. They they let him down. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said, get up and walk. No, that's not what he said. What did he say? Jesus, seeing their faith, said what? Your sins are forgiven. That's pretty amazing. And that infuriates, who can forgive sins except for God? So that's that third pillar there that... They, he claimed to be God. Even in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, where you don't have the direct claims, that was a direct that was almost as direct as you can get. "My son, your sins are forgiven." And they're like, "Who do you think you are?" God!" <laughs> he didn't say, "Yeah, but he may as well have, right? So anything else? man alive, which indicated, I'm coming for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And faith is found amongst the Gentiles and because they had so misunderstood the calling of the Jews to be a blessing of the world, they were horrified with that. The feeding of the 5,000, we could go on and on and on. So, how many of us have come to the place where we are unaware of Jesus' presence. I mean, can you just think about the times when you are aware that Jesus is near? Would you say that's the majority of the time in your week or the minority of the time? Where you are aware that Jesus is close by, Jesus is, Presence. This may surprise you, but the more we know about Jesus, the easier it is to live without Him. Does that make sense? The more we know about the Lord, the easier it is to live without Him because we think we've got it all figured out. And I've got this. It's kind of like, you know, that spirit in the flesh battle that Galatians 5 and Romans 7 identify very clearly. But you think about this battle that's constantly. Galatians 5 says the spirit wars against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. And 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 neither one are going to let up so that you cannot do the things that you would. So when you're walking in the flesh, you're like, oh, I don't want to be like this. I want to be walking in the spirit. And when you're walking in the spirit, you're like, hey, look over there. It's just a war. It is a constant war in our hearts and minds. But the more, the flesh is a really good imitator. I, I could give this really great analogy from my favorite movie of all time, What About Bob? But I, I won't do that. But you should watch it. And you'll see the flesh in Dr. Leo Marvin taking over. Wherever he thinks he can. The flesh likes to imitate and say, I've got this. And when, when, when the flesh in our lives says, I've got this and the spirit does not. We don't let the spirit combat. Then we are prone to forget about Jesus. After all, we know what to do. So, talk to me about the spirit. So, learn... To practice the presence of Jesus. We used to hear that a lot. Those old timers of us. We used to hear that a lot. We don't hear it so much anymore. But learn to practice Jesus' presence. Think about Jesus being with you all the time. What kind of difference would that make in your decisions? Well, let's talk about Martha's problem. Martha loved Jesus and wanted the best for him. That's not a problem. She loved Jesus. She wanted the best for Jesus. And most of us could identify with Martha. Now, when Jesus came into town, this was not a small group of people that Martha felt like, I got to feed this crowd. It's not like, hey, we got 12 people here, 13, including Jesus, we need to feed. Come on, Mary. No, it's more like 70. It was a large entourage. There were a lot of people who were going with Jesus. And Martha was distracted. Ever felt like that? In fact, we, we have sympathy for Martha. Don't you think? And she, she came in and said, Lord, don't you see what's going on here? Tell my sister. But she could have communicated without words, don't you think? You know, we, we get Martha's frustration. And we would have probably sided with Martha, especially men's roles and women's roles in that day. We would have sided with Martha. Martha loved Jesus. She wanted the best for him, but she was missing the point. You ever remember your parents calling your name twice? Usually did not mean a good thing, right? You're like, oh boy, what? A, I'm in trouble now. What about an authority, someone that you love dearly? Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a friend. Who just says, Ron, Ron. And you know, you know there's going to be a gentle rebuke. But you also know it's a word of love. Now, Ron will be saying, Brad, Brad, way more than I'll be saying, Ron, Ron. Jesus wasn't rebuking Martha for serving. When he said, only one thing is needful. It's very likely that he was saying, look, peanut butter and jelly is fine. We don't need steak and lobster. Well, they couldn't have eaten lobster anyway. But, you know, we don't need steak and fish just a little bit to get by. So how do we make Martha's mistake First, we focus more on serving Jesus than we do on listening to Him. Really, when you think about it, serving's the easy way out, isn't it? Some of you just love, love, love getting up early in the morning and spending time with the Lord. A lot of you. Because you're night owls or for whatever reason, you have trouble focusing. It's just easier for you to sleep late, get up, get going, and find time later in the day. But that time never really seems to come because there are too many important things to do. And it's very easy to focus more on serving Jesus than listening to Him. We can also make the mistake of caring more about work than worship. How often do you feel like maybe that you are just worshiping the Lord? Sunday mornings when we're singing, yes. Other times, do you really take time to worship the Lord? A third way is by doing good when we should be still. Silence is a discipline that is by and large lost. I'm not good with silence. Again, my mind just finds ways to fill up when everything is quiet is why we need to take time, sit with the Word, listen to Jesus. That's Mary's perspective. Let's let's talk about Mary's perspective. Mary loved Jesus, and she loved to be with Jesus. Every time we see Mary, just about, she's at Jesus' feet. Every time we see Mary of Bethany, she is at Jesus' feet. John 11, when when Lazarus died and Jesus showed up four days later, Martha heard that Jesus was there and Martha went, once again, hands on hip, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And they had a theological conversation. Now, don't I'm I'm not trying to demean that conversation. In fact, Jesus made a confession about who he is as great as the one that went to Peter. He said, I am the Christ. You're right. You've said it rightly. He said to, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me. A very important theological conversation. When Mary heard that Jesus was... On the compound. She ran. fell. Said the same thing Martha did. Lord if you'd been here my brother wouldn't have died. But then she fell at Jesus' feet. Martha moved Jesus to converse about important theological issues. Mary moved Jesus to, to weep with her. And he wept and he cried out in anger about sin and its effects. On people. He groaned out loud. Mary just chose to be misunderstood. People were always criticizing her, and Jesus was always defending her. Which would you rather have? People defend you, Jesus defend you. And that's not easy. To do, to choose, to be defended. You're remembering by Jesus instead of the people. You remember in John 12, Jesus came to Lazarus' place. This was, He had healed Lazarus, raised him from the dead, went away. He came back and they're there at Mary and Martha's place. And Mary takes this expensive ointment and anoints His feet. And Judas leads the charge and says, come on, we could have spent this money on the poor. And one of the other gospel writers says, come on, Judas, you just wanted to line your pockets. He was the treasurer, he was dipping into the bag. That's one of the reasons he got so mad and betrayed Jesus. Because Jesus, in a sense, cut him off from being able to steal the funds. Could it be that Mary was the only one who understood that Jesus was going to die? You remember when when the disciples protested against Mary wasting this money? This could have been used to feed the poor. Jesus said, no, the poor you'll have with you always. But she's done this in preparation for my burial. And it will never be forgotten. You think of all the things that we do that nobody will ever remember a hundred years from now. Nobody will remember any a lot of the things that we've done. Hopefully, <clears throat> maybe may be best that they don't remember things that we've done, right? Um, but, but Jesus said, well, this will never be forgotten. What she did for me is exactly what she should have done. And if indeed Mary understood that Jesus was going to die it was such a shock to all the disciples it may not be she may have been acting better than she knew but if she did understand she would have learned that at Jesus feet. So how can we develop Mary's perspective? first, choose to be with him even if you're misunderstood. wonder, what would you think if someone said, Hey, let's go. We're going to go over here and we're going to do something for someone. Or we're going to go witness to these people. And they said, No, no. I haven't had my devotions yet and I, I really need to do that. I'm going to spend time in the Word. We would not think highly of those people, would we? I'd be like... Really? You couldn't do that some other time during the day? If you are going to spend the kind of time you need to with Jesus, I can assure you somebody's going to misunderstand. So second, we are to sit at His feet and worship. Once again, worship the Lord. Don't just read and pray, but worship Him like Mary did, and three, as we sit at His feet, hear His Word. Most of us tend to think of prayer as the most active agent of change in our hearts and lives, and or we associate the Holy Spirit with prayer and think that that's the combination if I can pray in the Spirit, that's when change really comes. But time in Scripture cannot be neglected if we are going to become more like Jesus. In fact, if you, this is helpful when thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not separate from God's Word. Now, Jesus in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is called the Word. We call the Bible whose Word? God's Word. We're thinking of it as the Father, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all deeply involved in the Word. The Holy Spirit will never do anything in contradiction to the Word. It's... it's, Language is important. It's when you say something like, well, the Holy Spirit, I have a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Revelation technically refers to the written word. What was revealed to the prophets and the apostles? That's revelation. It's, It's very appropriate to say... The Holy Spirit has given me this understanding, which is according to the Word. The Holy Spirit will never work apart from His Word, nor will the Word be meaningful apart from the Holy Spirit. So, Spirit, Word, inseparable. 2 Corinthians 318. Let's think about this first just a moment and then we'll have testimonies. And we all with unveiled or open face the, the it, there's a big context here, believe me. It would take a long time to explain Second Corinthians 3. But essentially he's saying as we come to the Lord with open hearts uh, in a, in a different way than Moses came to the Lord, because we have the Spirit of God living within us. We all, with unfailed, unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. And where do we see God's glory? We don't have a temple. Your body is the temple, but this gathered body is the temple as well. 1 Corinthians 3, when he says, him, him who, The one who destroys the temple of God... God will destroy. He's not talking about, if you smoke, God's going to take care of you. That smoking's going to do that on its own. But he's saying, you mess with the church, you mess with the church, I mess with you. Is essentially what he's saying. Which is one of the reasons. Never be the one that runs the pastor off. Never be the one that talks bad about the church leadership. Let somebody else do that. That's a dangerous thing. You you pray to the Lord about that. Never be the one to cause deep division in the church. That's a dangerous thing. Don't do that. By the way, if if the pastor needs to go in this church, the elders will know that. And they'll send him on his way. I'm talking about the next one, of course. (laughs) I hope I am. (laughs) So um, that is the case. But don't equate your personal feelings with the Spirit of God. We all are inclined in certain ways and the Lord has made us certain ways. But when you talk about revelation, that's a big deal. And the glory of the Lord today is found in God's Word and in the place where His Word is manifested as in the church of God. We all, you can see it privately, and you see it collectively. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So who do we see in this word from Genesis to Revelation? Revelation. Jesus. So here's the point, which you already see. When a child of God looks into the Word of God, he sees the Son of God, and she is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of the Son of God. We look in the Word, we see Jesus. And then we begin to look like Jesus. Not physically. But you've heard people say that person is more like Jesus than anybody I know. Chances are very good. That person spends a lot of time with Jesus right here. Maybe the best analogy, well a great analogy I'll say is Nathaniel Hawthorne's short story The Great Stone Face. It was a tribe that lived out in the in the uh countryside and and there was a river and on the other side of the river was a great big stone that looked just like a face you've seen that right in rocks it's, it's more than just like what do you see in the cloud i see a bear my goodness i see a spoon you know i whatever you it's not like that there are some rock formations where you can just like oh my there it is, Grandfather Mountain. When you go up and you're coming down from Boone on 105 and you see that that silhouette, you may not see it at first, but once you get it, you can never unsee it. You always see Grandfather up there. Well, there's this stone face. And it, the legend was that people that would contemplate on that face were would gain wisdom. And this one young boy was mesmerized. And he went out there and he looked at the face all the time. And the prophecy was that the stone face would come to life. And so when he was older, there was a town meeting, and he stood up on some sort of a rising, and the sun hit his face just right, and everybody bowed down and said, Oh, the great stone face has come to life. Now, it's really bad when you're using a pagan illustration to make a, a spiritual point, but that is the case. When husbands and wives live together a long time, what happens? What happens? I I used to think with my parents, man, it's almost like they were brother and sister. I mean, they look so much alike. You know, the more time people spend together, the more they begin to look alike. And the more time you spend with Jesus, the more likely you are to look like Him. What a great, Prayer focus this morning, grace-based living. Because Alice and I have talked about it a lot these last few days. You know, so many times you just say, I'm just going to do better. It's not about just making a decision to do it better. That's part of it. But if that's as far as you get, you're going to be doing it in the flesh. And you're going to be making a lot of mistakes The only hope that we have is Jesus living through us. How does that work? I don't know. Spend time in here, and that's how it works. Can't explain it. But the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you look like Him. From Mary's perspective, spending time with Jesus was choosing the very best thing in her life. So may we learn from our sister in Bethany. Well. Let's continue to share. It seemed that maybe a little different at the first of the week. When we made these decisions to have testimonies today. Because so many people wanted to share last week. And were unable to. So. So. Um, it's always good to just share what the Lord is doing in your life. And by the way, this is part of that perspective of how God works in our lives and how he speaks to us in a place like this as we talk about how God has changed our lives according to his word. Um, and, And all of the world says my mission is to climb up to God God's Word says, uh, you can never, you can't climb high enough. I'm going to have to come down to you if it's going to be done. And Jesus coming to earth, living the life we couldn't live, dying in our place, that's the gospel. And our only hope is to cry out to Him, Lord, I'm a sinner. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And all that goes with that. So, who would like to share about how the Lord has been gracious in your life this past year. And if you shared last week and you were rushed, feel free to share again. Hear this exhortation from Paul to the church at Corinth. May be true of you and of our church throughout this year. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.